This week on Dueling Review, it is Legion of Superheroes number 12 from DC Comics. The battle for New Krypton is on. The powerhouse issue features the Legion confronting the greatest challenge of any era, with New Krypton on the verge of destruction at the hands of one of John Kent's deadliest foes. The young hero may have to make the ultimate sacrifice to save his friends, his family, and his heritage, but it could lead to the start of a monumental new chapter in the future of the DC Universe. Long live the Legion! This issue picks up right where last issue left off with our ragtag group of LSHers trapped by the sharp-toothed Dominator Scientist cast. Of course, you, you can't keep a good Legionnaire down, and the little dream girl mojo goes a long way towards freedom. So what what did you think about Comet Queen seemingly betraying the team last issue? Well, I'll admit, I, I haven't been reading Legion of Superheroes since about issue two. It seems that I've locked onto my favorite Legion and everything else, including the constant rebooting, has left me feeling, quite frankly, very cold. Uh, the New 52, which is a reboot, but not a reboot, but a time paradox, makes my mind spin more than those that complain Batman didn't change one iota during the relaunch booting. That being said, though... With this issue, much of what went on before doesn't really matter as it's Legionnaires versus Dominators, and I like epic space battles. And as do I. To be honest, I've actually fallen behind on like all of my books and pretty much everything that you don't see me reviewing at major spoilers. But I will say it was interesting to see this particular batch of Legionnaires in action against Dominators. Your Bouncing Boy, Dream Girl, Duplicate Girl, the former Triplicate Girl slash Duo Damsel, they aren't exactly the most combat-oriented team members, but it's fun to see them and Brainiac 5 against a bunch of genetically engineered monsters. Uh, so is being able to jump into this issue, well, maybe let me rephrase this. Is being able to jump in this issue a testament to good writing, or is it the same old stuff that we've just been accustomed to all these years? In other words, you know, we haven't read this, we're jumping into it. Good writing that makes this so good or not so good? Uh, honestly, I think it's the power of the Paul Levitt's pacing. I mean, he's been writing these characters one way or another for like 45 years. So you have to figure he's pretty good at it at this point. And even so, even with all that backstory, it was pretty easy to get into this book. And the central plot was exciting. Although, again, the question of betrayal by the new kid is tabled for most of the issue in favor of the all-out superhero pew-pew space battle. And a pretty fun one to boot. So as far as space battles go, I mean, Bouncing Boy does get a hero moment in this issue. That should make you happy. Oh, yes, in goddamn deed. Oh, sorry, I can't say that. Uh, <laughs> seeing Bouncing Boy doing the heavy lifting of the combat against the Dominators was lovely. I really like the interplay between Chuck and his wife throughout the issue. Uh, Levitt's writes kind of a jerk-ass Brainiac 5, but it really works well with the team in play. With Dreamgirl's sarcasm, Starboy's heroism, and then the wide-eyed optimism of the new recruits all meshing together very well. Yeah, I guess my biggest disappointment with this issue is that it read really quickly, um, and that was over before it started. And I was really disappointed in that. Uh, the fight scenes were nice, uh, but they were simply given as a highlight. I, I guess that's better than having a fight that drags out for two or three issues. And though it isn't a bad thing, uh, this really felt like a Silver Age story in its pacing, I guess. Yeah, I was actually really troubled by the fact that the battle with the Dominators in this issue was treated as this huge conflict, a mighty challenge for all the Legionnaires present. But as soon as Ultra Boy and Monel arrived, it was done. I mean, the reliance on the, the heavy hitters as the only characters capable of battle is one of the things that, for me, helped sink Legion Volume 4, that five-year gap team. And it's a little disturbing to see it here. Still... 
the strong guys looked really good under Portela's pencils and, or was it Derenick? I'm not entirely sure. The art was pretty much seamless transitioning from one penciler to the other. Uh, for the, for me, art was fine, but I think DC needs to do some damage control or some whip cracking because this is the third or fourth DC book that I've read in the last couple of weeks where the art is split up among multiple artists. Uh, if they keep doing this to maintain a schedule, I think DC is going to get a bad rap in the long run. Yeah, I, I can't help but wonder if it's being done just to keep the books on time at any cost. And scheduling has been one of the cornerstone issues of the new 52. You know, timeliness is something that we've been wanting the big publishers to show us for a couple of years now. So I'd rather see multiple artists done well, as the transitions are in this issue, than a seven months later Old Man Logan situation. Although, granted, I don't really want to read Old Man Logan on time either. But you see what I'm, what I'm saying here. Yeah. And if I, if I had my way, the whole issue would have done by the cover artist Steve Lytle. For me, this is an okay story. That's my bottom line. There's plenty of fighty-fighty, and each of the characters gets a line or two that makes them feel uh, like they're part of a team, and this is a team book. The Dominators used to be a scary bunch of mofos, but in the last decade, the intimidation factor has gone way down for me. Uh, This isn't a bad issue, and it is a nice wrap-up to what I'm guessing has been a big 12-issue story. It's nice that I wasn't uh, completely lost with what was going on here. I guess overall I would give this three slices of meatloaf out of five. Yeah, I mean, this this was okay. It wasn't big, giant, full, meaningful issue, but it did give the Dominator threats credibility, and it features players that aren't Cosmic Boy, mon and Brainiac 5, which is one of the pitfalls of recent Legion issues for me. It gave them all something to do, and given the high-profile fo- presence of Bouncing Boy and Ultra Boy, and Comet Queen, and Dream Girl, I was pretty satisfied. I mean, it's a competently done Legion book. For me, slightly above average, three and a half slices of meatloaf uh, gives me hope that this book isn't one of the ones on the potential chopping block for the fourth wave of New 52 cancellations. Wait a minute. Hmm. New 52? New 52 is like... Ten ten years Nine years ago? Oh, shoot. Matthew, we this entire time we read the wrong Legion number twelve. Oh my goodness! This is Legion of Superheroes number twelve. I see where I got confused from twenty twelve, not twenty twenty one. This, of course, was written by Paul Levitz. Yeah, Uh, Uh, this was written by Paul Levitz, Francis uh, Portello, and Tom uh, Derenick. I believe you had mentioned uh, cover art by uh, Steve Lytle. Did he just not pass away just recently? He did. Steve Lytle passed away either last week or the week before. Uh, it was an unexpected illness. I, I believe they said there may have been complications from COVID-19. Mm, but yes, okay. Steve did just pass away. That, I just find it interesting. I, I was doing some uh, some stuff in prep for the show, and I was like, oh, Legion of Superheroes number 12, major spoilers. And it said, this here's looks our, familiar. And, it, and no, literally, the search result came back. <laughs> Dooler review, Legion of Superheroes number 12. And I was like, crap. Did I hit publish by accident? And it's already in the search engines. And then I looked. I was like, no, crap. We reviewed this. Same series, Legion of Superheroes number 12, all the way back in 2012. So nine uh, nine years ago. August of 2012 is when the last time we had a Legion of Superheroes book hit 12 issues. And now here we are again with another Legion of Superheroes book that has hit 12 issues. And ironically, it's another big giant space battle. And yeah, there's a lot of moments in here as we're going through here. I'm like, oh, yeah, Bouncing Boy does get his little moment in this yep. book. And Ultra Boy and mon show up and suddenly the fight is a lot less hard. And, and I think if people want to look at 
our little uh, uh, our little play that we have performed for you. Uh, a playlet. Lo, if we shadows have offended, think of this and be just mended. It's a twelve-year-old episode of well, the show. But see, here's the thing: before it was a show, Saturn Girl spends a lot of this issue saying, "Oh, this is my fault. I was the one that kind of made everyone agree to bring Superboy John Kent uh, to the to the future." And all of this has happened before. Essentially, she's saying we are stuck in a flat circle because if I hadn't convinced everyone, we wouldn't have gone back into the past. John Kent wouldn't have created the United Planets and the uh, United Federation of Legion of Superheroes would never have been formed. And so she's talking about this whole circle of 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 time and the fact that we get uh, the planet destroyer that we saw way back on the I guess was it the relaunch of this series uh, not this particular series but in the most recent relaunch of dc comics where we had the krypton uh, planet killer arrive and superman was fighting him in i don't think it was action comics it was it, it was, was i think it was bendis action comics yeah it was Brent, it Brian bendis's first issue yeah yeah back in 1000 so it's you know we've kind of come full circle uh in the legion of superheroes story that it kind of be, it kind of ends where it be, began with a big fight for the for the fate of Krypton. Yeah. And I'm going to be honest, the middle part of this 12 issue Legion story. I gotta, I'll be honest. Just like I said, 12 years ago, <laughs> I kind of stopped reading after issue three. I think we read, read issue six yeah. uh, for the Legion clubhouse, but yeah. I, I have not been reading this series. And to be honest, I don't feel like I've missed anything. You kind of haven't. I mean, it, the problem with the Bendis book, as we see here, is that you get a point where it's like, okay, here's a big, terrible threat, and then we're going to talk about it for a while. We've been talking about the Great Darkness for about three issues now, and the Legionnaires are kind of running around and circling around and bumping into things, but this issue feels uh, oddly slow and also rushed at the same time. I don't know how they managed to pull that off. Because we get into this and it's like, oh no, Rogal Zar, now we must fight. And everybody's going to fight and there's a big fighty fighty. And it feels like the implication here is this battle, this finishing battle has finally reunited the team. Mm -hmm. And got them all together because, you know, we've had... who was its uh, father um, that was Ultra that was Boy's father. Ultra Boy's uh, father was causing all the problems and wanting to right. get into a fight. And I'm sure that that caused some divisions in the team, etc. And now this is that rallying point where everyone and I think it's because Santa Girl, while she's telling the story, isn't telling the story to the reader. She's mind connecting to all of the other members of the team so that they, too, understand what's been going on so that they can rally together. Yeah. And on the one level. I mean, honestly, if I was thinking about this as one story, one 12-issue story, Mm -hmm. this is a sort of ending, but it doesn't feel like a big arc ender because it doesn't necessarily deal with a lot of the things that kept popping up. I mean, Ultra Boy literally punched out his father and is now the leader of one of the planets. So Ultra Boy is the leader of the Legion and the ruler of the planet Rimbor. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm just, that's Matter okay. Eater Lad appears in this for a second. Element Lad appears in this for a second. X-Ray Girl appears in this for a second. And I'm looking at this final page, and am I crazy, or does the last page feel like a big farewell? Well, so it has All been of the Legionnaires are assembled. So the April uh, solicitations have come 
over at Majorspoilers.com. And I think Ashley Victoria Robinson pointed this out to us that the solicitation for issue 13 of Legion of Superheroes has not been announced yet. And I believe this issue was delayed because when I was putting the previews up on the site, it um, it didn't show up in in the January solicitations. And I think I had to go back to either November or December to find the actual uh, issue description uh, for for this. So it would not surprise me. We know that Bendis's run on Superman is done, right? Uh, we know that he's going to go do Justice League next. So perhaps now that he's done with Superman, that also means he may be done with John Kent. Thus, he is done with the Legion of Superheroes in in all of this. And if so, wow, what a letdown! Um, I, I don't know. Again, coming into this issue. And not having read the past, you know, when when um, Ultra Boy's uh, dad came in and said, I declare war on the Legion of Superheroes in the United Planets. Right. Uh, that's kind of where the last time that I read anything. So I don't know anything that's been going on there. But coming into this, I was OK with it. I thought that there was enough action. I kind of knew who the big bad was. So it wasn't like there's any big major surprise going on here so that. You know, everybody does get their moment to shine. Everybody, or at least most of the characters do that I'm familiar with, get a chance to go and do their thing and do some beating up or some saving or some quippy uh, one-liners. And then, you know, they all get to celebrate at the end of the day because they've all come together as a team to to save the day. So I, I guess I'm okay with this issue. I probably would still give it about three slices of meatloaf out of five uh, overall. I didn't think it was a horrible issue. Uh, it did kind of feel like, hey, we've done our first big arc, like you said. It doesn't feel like an ending, but rather, let's get ready for the next chapter. Now that we've set you up, and we've spent an entire year plus setting you up for what's coming next with the Legion, now let us actually get ready to tell some kick-ass Legion of Superheroes stories. And yeah, uh, even in April, there are no Legion of Superheroes um, stories listed. So this may be... Uh, the end of this may be the end of the series possible. And, you know, I don't think it really has caught on. I don't think that it's been the hit that they expected. And well, honestly, for me, go ahead. I'm not saying that I would be fine with the Legion going dormant again, because I wouldn't, I really like my monthly Legion. And I, I feel like there's potential here in these characters, but there's also 37 of them. And I, I literally know nearly nothing about most of them. I don't know. Well, I don't so want here's the, the thing. Again. Here's the thing. Mm-hmm. And this is some perspective coming from our other show that we do, the Legion Clubhouse, where we have been reading every single issue of the Legion of Superheroes since their debut all the way back in 1954. And what was it? 58? Um, And so we have been following their progression and we're already up into 1978. And there's a couple of things that I've taken away from this as to why the first Legion run and the Archie Legion run, the one that came immediately after the five year Legion, Mm -hmm. um, why those were so successful because the readers were kind of growing up and maturing at the same time as they were reading the comics. So by the time in the era that we are reading right now on the Legion Clubhouse, our heroes have moved beyond teenager status. They are now getting married. They're looking at settling down and having bouncing baby boys um, or bouncing baby girls. Who knows? 
baby um, bouncing boys. Or baby bouncing boys. Uh, but the but the thing is that that is something that people were reading and growing up on, and so right. they have an attachment to it. So when you get to the Archie Legion, all of a sudden people are like, "Oh, new Legion! These stories seem familiar. I like the art. I like how the direction they're going." And that ran for as long as it could. What uh, four years or something like that? Mm, the Archie Legion ran for the better part of ten. They came out oh, at really? zero okay. hour in ninety four. Yeah, and they got canned in either two thousand four or two thousand five. Really, that that long? Yeah, because well, well, let's the just say they let's just say they had a really let's just say that they had a really good four year run. They did have an excellent and then, four years, and then after of, that, and after that, when we had the Wade reboot uh, in two thousand eight, nine, ten, whatever that was, Five. um. They were kind of just rehashing stuff again, but trying to put a different spin on it. And I think people who had the attachment to the original Legion kind of were tired of all you're doing is painting a different color on the page. Do something really different or you've done something too radically different. And this isn't the Legion that we are familiar with from 50 years of storytelling. And so I think what's happened is, especially with this Legion, and I I'm going to have to put the blame a little bit on the publicity department Mm -hmm. is that this should have been a YA book. Yes. This really should have been a YA book. And we know Bendis can write YA because he has uh, that whole, uh, didn't he do young justice with Ginny Hex and um, Mm -hmm. what's that other creation? She's going to be in the justice league coming up. Naomi. I don't know how successful that series was, but Legion of Superheroes is not something for 20-year-olds. Legion of Superheroes isn't something for 30, 40, 50-year-olds. Legion of Superheroes is really for the tween set, the young adult set, and maybe young adults includes, you know, those in their early 20s. But the reason why I say that is because, at least me growing up, you always looked up to the bigger kids in your class, right? You always were like, oh, man, I can't wait to get to high school. You may be in middle school and you see the... The high schooler walking around, and you're like, oh, man, that that person's really cool because they're in high school. And so I think the Legion kind of serves that purpose for younger kids. And I think by making them essentially adults, they really weren't doing teenagery stuff in the series that I saw um, because they're being treated as adults. You kind of lost your audience. See, I don't know. Uh, the I mean, that's about... just my point. That's just my opinion. I, I know a lot of people probably won't agree with me, but I just think that they. They targeted this book to the wrong audience, and that audience is tired of Legion reboots with a shiny new wrapper on it when it's, yeah, I think that's it. (laughs) Well, and I I agree with you on the Legion reboots. I mean, this is Legion volume eight. Eight already? This is, yeah, this is the fifth um, major iteration of the Legion, the way that I count, because... You know, when you reboot the universe, when they did it the first time in 94, it mostly worked. But a lot of times they were playing the what if everything you know is wrong card, which mm-hmm. is fine. I mean, that's it's a trope. It's a tool. It's a thing you do. But I feel like you can't keep doing that. And so when they revamped and the Wade Kitson run came around, it was good with Wade and Kitson because they were playing the cards of – you know things about these characters. We're going to keep bits of that, but we're also going to make changes that make it interesting again. Yeah. And then Shooter came back, and it basically became this weird watered-down combination. Then we did the retro boot, and uh, Jeff Johns was like, hey, I've got all these great ideas, and then they gave it to Levitz, and again, it became this watered-down sort of combination thing. And then 
they canceled the book and retroactively declared it having taken place in another alternate universe so it didn't count in the first place and just the 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 legion reboot i had an argument well not an argument i had a discussion with someone on my twitter this week about reboots and i said if i was running dc no reboots for 10 years yeah none and he's like, no, first we have to take it back to the way it was before the new 52. No, I don't think then, you have to do that. Then no reboots. And I'm like, but that's a reboot. And you can't take things back to the way they were before the new 52. That is one of the positives about Bendis' Legion. They didn't try to give us 58. They didn't try to give us 94. They didn't try to give us 77. But it also meant... Things like the triplicate girl changes that were confusing. It meant things like we've got characters who've never had, I think, a line. Matter Eater Lad very seldom had anything to say. Because he was always very, had something in his mouth. Well, sure. But Block is, is in here, and we keep getting these cute Block moments, but Block hasn't really done anything. I can't remember Phantom Girl, Princess Projectra, all of these yeah. characters. The girl in the green armor, her name is X-Ray Girl. It has oh, never yeah. been on panel. <laughs> it's never been in an issue. She's never had a line or been at the forefront. She only gets named she, in this issue. She is now. She's been in th- periodically. I think she's made like eight, ten appearances in the twenty-four issues, twenty-four total appearances of this Legion. I guess twelve issues of this series and a couple of Millenniums and the crossovers. But X-ray girl is in this. I want to know something about her, but I'm probably not going to get that. You know what? You know what's missing. What's that? In this especially, in this story especially, mm-hmm. is we are missing moments that we can connect to the characters. Yes. And, and that's one of the things that was interesting, especially in the Archie Legion, because that's what I'm most familiar with, where we would spend a lot of time just saying, okay, what's going on with Shrinking Violet? And what is her issue? And why all of a sudden does she become uh, the Emerald Vi? And, you know, that story where we're following the plights of a particular character while we're dealing with bigger issues that are going on. And so we got to spend a lot of time seeing what made these characters tick. And we do get that, too, in the original Legion, as as we're discovering. We get to learn why Wildfire is such a jerk. We get to learn why Karate Kid does what he does. We get to find why Mon-El continues to try to sell fuller brushes to all the rest of the members of the Legion of Superheroes. Um, but in the Wade run, that three boot Legion, the only story that ever stood out for me, and I think it was like a side story was the origin of, of triplicate girl and how, you know, she had basically her, uh, planet was decimated and she re- repopulated the planet with essentially Duplicate, clones yeah. of herself. And then yeah, the three of them, three. yeah. And then they all went to, they all went to earth to join the Legion and they spent so much time with the Legion, but the, that by the time, and I think it was three of them, went back mm-hmm. to their home planet, they kind of were ostracized because they weren't part of the collective. And I was like, wow, that's that's some really powerful storytelling there because we're dealing with the impact of a single character. And I don't know if John Kent is supposed to be the through character that we're supposed to be experiencing this entire series with, but I don't feel like we ever got a moment of... Say hey, uh, you with the uh, the three colored uh, on your chest. What what's your story? I don't think we ever got that in this. Or you, the big rock man. What's your story? I don't think we ever got any of that in this. All we got is I am from Rimbor and I declare war on the United Planets. And it's like, okay, what's going on? Oh, by the way, the head of Rimbor is Ultra Boy's dad. Oh, oh, oh. 
Yeah. And so I don't think we got those emotional. I mean, there's some, don't get me wrong. Bendis can write emotional moments. And I felt like in this issue, there were a couple of panels where I was like, oh, that's kind of touching. But I didn't feel like I now can identify with this character. Oh, I agree. Uh, And that's part of the issue is going into this book with the Legion. There is a perception that the Legion is too complicated, too deep, too weird and, you know, full of lore for anyone to join in. And I think that this book has played right into that trap Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because if you walk into this iteration of the Legion of superheroes, you have to be either a fan of Jonathan Kent or somebody like us who's carrying the mythos and saying, hey, wasn't that moment where Wildfire and Timberwolf were like, hey, have you noticed how nobody knows how great we are? Yeah. 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 That's a good moment. That's two cocky Legionnaires being cocky, but it's not an earned moment from these 12 issues. It's an earned moment from knowing Bryn Londo and, you know, what's his face with the head? I forgot his name. Drake Burroughs, <laughs> knowing Bryn Londo and Drake, just take two, knowing Bryn Londo and Drake Burroughs and knowing the fact that they are guys who are kind of arrogant and that they're the guys who are like, yeah, yeah, get some. That's never been built in this series. Yeah. You know, the whole thing about, hey, uh, by the way, Mordrew is the white witch's dad. I know just that pops up just in pops dialogue. Out of nowhere. Like, what? And, and I, again, I read this and I was like, man, was this something that she had had a thought balloon conversation with someone in a previous issue that so. I missed? And everyone else is just acting like, oh, this is the first time any of us have heard this. And I'm like, well, if this is the first time any of us have heard this, this should have been an issue just by itself. In the, in the quote unquote old days, this yeah. would have been an issue all by itself where, you know, the White Witch is going through and having some problems. And every time Mordrew's name gets mentioned in one of the meetings, she gets irate and stomps out. And or she seems super defiant against any time that Mordrew's name is mentioned and the, everyone's all scratching their head. And finally, Saturn Girl is like, you know, I get this weird vibe. I don't normally read other people's minds, but I get this weird vibe of hatred and sheer embarrassment every time Mordrew's name comes up. And, and I don't know why. And finally, maybe Saturn Girl approaches the White Witch and they sit down and they have a heart to heart. And and the White Witch is like, I'm afraid that if people find out Mordrew is my father, you will kick me out of the Legion of Superheroes, or you will have me arrested, or you will use me against my father. That should have been a whole issue right there. But it's just a line, and it's like, okay, it's a good thing we have uh, uh, the White Witch and Saturn Girl and whoever the other telepath is, Princess Projector, I guess. Uh, Dream Girl. Dream Girl, so that we can all use our powers against him. And it's like, well, how, how are you doing that? Are you a... Stacked crystal or something that shoots a laser? How, how are you doing that? I don't know. We got to move power on to the next friendship. panel. It's the power of friendship. Well, they had to move on to the next panel before any of that could be resolved. Right. And in the next panel, you know what we see? We see triplicate girl reform into one triplicate girl, and then her costume goes all negative because she's taken red, green, and blue, red, yellow, and blue, and now she her costume well, is it's, black. It's actually it's cyan, yellow, and magenta. And I then you combine those together in the printing. In the printing, it becomes black. Yes, CMYK. I get, I get that it's a four color printing. Joke. <laughs> Easter egg, Matthew. That. It's an Easter egg. You know what it is? <laughs> it's a colorblind reader. Hush your face. Now, that moment didn't work for me. No, and I no. wanted it to. And Doctor Fate is like, I'm Doctor Fate, and I'm super powerful. The yuck. And he comes back, and he's all, Aah. and he's like, I, and he just like flicks Mordrew on the head and says, I send you back where you come from. The end. And I was like, this, and then, this, and there's then just there was an urgency, the, I guess. The person who actually saves the day 
the, the person who saves the day is General Zod. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. General Zod. And it's like, have we seen General Zod in this series at all? Have. Yeah, Zod okay. has been around for an issue or two, but this is the thing. Zod is now at home with his son Monel. Yeah. And Monel's five kids. And so Monel is like this superhero dad. And Zod literally says my grandbabies in this issue. General Zod (laughs) is, is kindly old grandpa Zod. Well, and I'm fine. I'm fine with that. I mean, I mean, the more surprising, it was more surprising for me to just all of a sudden, I am General Zod and I speak for the Kryptonians. I was like, okay. And then then we fire Rogal Zar into the little flippy dippy thing. Into the phantom zone. I have not fired this thing in 7,000 years. And I'm like, wait, how long has it been since... How long has it been? Yeah, I think he said 700 or something like that. And I was just like, whatever. I I don't know. There were some there were some moments in here where I was kind of like, oh, yeah, that's kind of cool. Oh, yeah, that's kind of neat. And again, for someone who hasn't read the previous issues leading up to this, I'm sure that a lot of this could be answered if I read it. But it sounds like maybe not. It sounds just like it just sounds like 10 years ago when we had the conversation saying, "Okay, you can step into this issue if you want and if you have, it. it probably wouldn't, but I think you would have some familiarity and kind of be able to follow the storyline and know what's going on, especially if you read Action Comics number 1000. Yep. Um, but I really, actually, that's all you need to read is Action Comics number 1000, and you can jump right into this and figure out what's going on from there. Honestly, for as much happens and as little happens, yeah, you probably could, because the Rogal Czar thing just comes out of left field. There is <laughs> yeah, yeah, no yeah. setup for Rogal Czar. And at the end of issue 10, it's like, oh, Rogal Czar. I'm like, I have no idea who Rogal Czar is. Yeah. Is he that potato headed guy from that issue that Jim Lee drew in a big hurry because Jim Lee doesn't have time to draw anymore? I don't know. Why does Monel have a beard and then not have a beard? Why do these things happen? What, what, who, what? Yeah. I, yeah. So I don't know. I kind of, if this, and, and, and I'm, I have a feeling that this is the last issue. Uh, and I'm okay with that. Um, I, I really think that if if DC wants to bring forth the Legion, mm-hmm. I really think if they want to reboot it, they need to reboot it as kind of like Teen Titans was Teen in, its, Titans. in its original series. Not not uh, not T E E N T I T A N S Teen Titans. Titans. Not not Let's uh, go. not Waffles 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 Titans. I don't think I want a Waffles 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 Legion. You mean, you but mean maybe that's. Maybe that's Perez. what needs. Maybe that's what needs to happen. Yeah, I'm talking about the per, per Perez uh, run of the Teen Titans, which is really trying to target teenagers. And I think what they really need to do is look at their their young adult line or their kid line, which you know I've been reading some of these books, and they're really good. I mean, they're really good books, and I'm hoping that they're getting them into the school system where more kids can find them. But yeah. they need to be looking at the Legion of Superheroes and saying. Not everything has to be Teen Titans and Young Justice. Let's take these Legion of Superheroes kids and let's make them YA accessible and get some good YA artists on board and let them pick and choose how they want to tell the Legion. If they only want to tell Legion stories with five members, let them tell a Legion story with five members. I think the Legion has a place. I think the place for older readers with the Legion is either with the Archie Legion or the original Legion. But I don't think the place for the Legion that we saw from Bendis is for our generation. And I don't think it's for the other generation. I think they don't know who they're trying to target with (laughs) this series. And I think that's ultimately 
kind of sad. The biggest failing of this book is that Brian Bendis is not a good team writer. And oh, this is the think- biggest team in the history of comics. Bendis does really good two or three person conversations. Bendis does really good. You know what Bendis does well? Ultimate, Ultimate Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Yeah, exactly. And if you look at his Ultimate Spider-Man, there's a clear through line. There's stuff with people coming in and out, but it's all focused on Spider-Man and the way Spider-Man affects people. If we look at his run on New Avengers, it's all focused on essentially Luke Cage. Mm-hmm. Well, but it's a nine-person team. But what about when he did Avengers? How was that? I didn't read that. Eh, I mean, the launch was interesting, but it it quickly fell apart. Much like um, Brad Meltzer's Justice League, mm-hmm. too much of what he intended never actually got to the page. Did mm. you know that Geoforce was a member of the Justice League of America? Neither did anybody else. Of the original Justice League? No, I didn't know that. No, well, he was in Meltzer's run for about seven seconds. Yeah. But this is the thing. I feel like that's what's happened here, is Bendis has so many ideas that if this were a Gold Lantern or a Brainiac 5 or an Ultra Boy book, 12 issues could have given it to us. If this was, you know, a Fantastic Four book, with five, four or five characters, I think he could have could have gotten away okay. with it. But so okay, here's mm-hmm. the thing. Okay, so fish butt. Let's just say that they're not going to cancel the Legion, and they're not going to reboot the Legion with a new number one. They're going to they're going to just issue say thirteen and a new writer. Issue no no no, still with Bendis. Oh no, issue thirteen <laughs> is coming out in September. Bendis yes. hasn't started writing it yet because he's been so wrapped up in his Justice League run. Right. You are the editor. Yes. What do you tell Bendis? Because I have an idea of what I would tell Bendis on how to take on the next six issues. Hmm. Here's how I, here's what I, here's what I would tell Bendis. Tell me what you would say. I would say, okay, look, Bendis, you just wrote a book that had a billion million characters in it. And while it was colorful and splashy and Ryan Sook did a great job in uh, doing all the, the character designs, um, we can't have that in the next run. We need to tell more personal stories. And what I want you to do, Brian Michael Bendis, is I want you to pick five or six Legion members that you want to tell a core story about. And we want to see emotional arcs in these in these characters. We need to, you know, create your big six issue arc, and we're only giving you six more issues. We want to see that that big emotional arc that you can create. We're not doing time travel. We're not doing Legion Lost. None of that. I want all of these people that you've created. You can have them in the book in the background. But I want five characters. And I want the focus to be on those five Legion members. Go. And I think that if he will focus on that smaller group, I think he'll be fine. I think if he said, okay, fine. Cosmic Boy, Lightning Lad, Saturn Girl, uh, you got to have those three, whatever. If Jonathan Kent is sticking around, who knows what's going on with Future State, fine. Brainiac 5. Tell me a story Boy, that would, involves would, that involves those five. Or, I would totally pick, hate that. well, pick a different group. <laughs> you know, See, pick, pick your five, but let Bendis pick his five, but he needs to, he needs to focus on more personal stories and not this big splashy stuff that goes for 12 issues. Here's the thing that I would say. I would say not less characters, but more focus for the characters you have. For the next six issues of Legion of Superheroes, Mr. Bendis, Brian, 
Can I call you Brian? I'm gonna no, call just you call Brian. him Bendis. He likes to be referred to called Bendis. Okay. Bendis. I'm going to call you Bendis. Bendis, here's what you're going to do. Don't call do. him Bendy. Bendo? No. What's going to happen? Bender? Bender Bendis. Bending Rodriguez? Yes. What's going to happen is... Bite my next, shiny metal ass. For the next six issues, you are going to write two short stories. And each short story is going to focus on someone that we have not heard more than five words from. You could have other people in the stories. But I want to see these characters. I want you to give me a story. You're going to have 12 moments that you can story. You can pick one or two characters. Each of those issues will have two of them. So you'll have like a moment where it's like, this issue is about Feral Lad and Polar Boy. This issue is about X-Ray Girl and uh, Duplicate Girl. This, ex- this issue is about Banana Man. And uh, I don't know, he's teaming up with Fruit Man. All of these characters, you know, you've got a huge cast and you haven't done enough with them. And the ones that we are focusing on are really the ones who've had a lot of focus before. I don't have a problem with that. Do you remember the DC plus issues that came out in about 95? Mm, I think Where so. it was like, here's an issue of comics. Oh it's yeah, 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 yeah. I remember those. Yes, yes, yes. Robin. Yes. I remember those. Yes. So there's the thing you got. Okay. I'm going to focus on Timberwolf and wildfire and I'm going to stick them with Superboy. Plus Superboy. Superboy's a big draw. Okay. Well, now you're, getting, now you're do... getting back to what I was saying. If you got two short stories per issue and it's doing yeah. the plus, that means that two you're dealing, with, you're dealing with five characters. You have a lot. Of, no, no not you do. Five characters. five characters is too few when your team has 30. I do not want you to focus on five characters. I want you to build that same thing. I want you to give me those moments, but I want you to do it carefully, cogently, yeah. and most yeah. importantly, discreetly you know you have 10 pages to show us something of x y well i would even if i'm going to go with two short stories per issue i'd i'd say you've got 12 pages per short story oh so it's a 24 page 24 pages and we're going to keep the and we're going to keep the page count low or i'm sorry the price low so that younger readers will be more inclined to buy it so it's a 299 book for 299 at at most 299 and you're going to sell it at walmart why and not? Then you're gonna, that's what I'm saying. Why not? And then, Brian, here's what you're not going to do. You're not going to spend four pages of conversation in one story in the middle of a giant fist fight with Mordrew and some guy you made up named Florgolf Larp. That is what you're not going to do. You're not well, going to do also, that. Also, I would also avoid time travel. I would also avoid retelling stories that have already been told before. I'm fine with time travel and I feel like seeing I think, it again think, is kind of a legion staple but But see the, you have the to legion do doesn't do the legion doesn't do that much time travel. In the 20 years that we've been covering the the legion, they haven't done that much time travel. Ta- <laughs> when you think of when you think of all the issues, when you think of yeah. we've done 90 episodes of Legion Clubhouse, uh-huh. maybe an eighth of them have been this time moment, travel. As of this moment, the issue that we last recorded mm-hmm. featured a Karate Kid issue full well, of time travel. That's that's, that's Karate Kid. That's not Legion of Superheroes. story featuring time yeah. travel. Of the 90 episodes that we've recorded, about an eighth of them deal any, with time travel. Any story that features Superboy. I'm just trying to say no Legion lost. Tra- well, that's just because he's coming in the past. That doesn't count. That's the point. I think that time I, travel I think is perfectly fine. Get rid of, get rid of Legion. Don't that. just, what I'm saying is, don't retell stuff that we're already familiar with. Go right. explore Legion, some new don't do territory. Loss. Don't throw them back to the 20th century. You know, don't do a thing where the whole team is destroyed and they have to rebuild from the ashes. Because 
all of that, first of all, is long-form storytelling that you don't have time for in your six issues. Mm-hmm. But more importantly, you haven't established anything to be burnt down yet. You have to establish these united planets. You have to make this meaningful. Show us Ultra Boy leading the Rimborians. Show us the White Witch angsting over her father being Mordro. Show us, Show us some you know, romance. Superboy Show us some... his virginity to, to not, Saturn not, Girl. It doesn't have to be that way, but not I mean, show, show, some, show some romance. Show yeah, some romance. Some romance. You can and... have that moment where John is, you know, he's Richie Cunningham obsessing over whether or not he should sleep with Saturn Girl. And he doesn't want to say it. And I you mean, can do the Bendis thing where they talk around the issue. I Do you like it? Like here's him? the thing. I don't know if I like if him. Bendis, if editorial would give that mandate to Bendis, and if he could do it and, not try, and not try to create some overarching, overarching through storyline. He can't. No, I'm saying that's a mandate. You cannot do a through storyline that ties all these. I want somebody to be able to pick up issue number 14 and be able to read through it and be like, well, that was satisfying. I don't have a need to know what came before, nor do I have a need to find out what came after. But these were two really great stories, and I'm good with that. But I think that also does get down to the question of, you know, if if you, Stephen, were a money man, and you hired the best writers and the best artists and told them what you wanted to see, would it be their best work? I don't know. I think, but, but see, that's the thing. My guess that's is this is my guess. No, no, no. Types. Here's, here's, here's my guess is that DC said, we're giving a hands-off approach to everything that you're doing, Brian Michael Bendis, cause we just paid you a ton of money. And just the fact that we have Brian Michael Bendis, Marvel's Brian Michael Bendis over at DC, that should sell a lot of comics and if they took a hands-off approach and this is what we got, I think as the money man, not necessarily even the money man, as the editorial department, now it's time to step in and say, okay, you had Put your fun, you had your fun, now let's sit down and let's write some comics. Fun is fun and done is done. Now tell me what the hell's up with X-Ray Girl. Yeah, well, give me an issue. Uh, give me an issue on X-Ray Girl. So I don't, you I don't know. I don't know. So here's my bottom line on this. Bottom. Legion of Superheroes number 12 um, I thought was enjoyable for what it was. It was just big and dumb and smashy and the team comes together in the end and saves the day. It doesn't make a lot of sense. There's stuff that needs to be explored further. This yep. is a fine comic. It is a three slices of meatloaf out of five, just like I said 12 years ago. If you want to pick it up, pick it up. If you're a Legion of Superheroes fan, you probably already picked it up. You've probably already read it. I guess the thing, and I think that's come out in this conversation, is... Going forward, if this book were to continue under Bendis writing it, I think both you and I, Matthew, agree that this needs some more focus and more control. It definitely needs more focus. I would say if our theoretical scale involved five slices of meatloaf, I would say this book is about half bad. I would give it two and a half. Uh, slices of meatloaf, stars, chicken salad sandwiches. Basically, it's right down the middle. It is the center line because for everything that works, there's something that doesn't. Mm-hmm. I am I am mad about the panel where Superboy and Monel are punching and punching and punching and punching and punching and Monel is like, I have roughly 887 more punches in me. Well, go and for Superboy's it. Superboy's like, go for it. And Monel's like, did. I just did. Yeah. I hate that. I hate that so much. <laughs> I, I hate that. I hate. I don't know. It was that. funny. I hate it. I hate it. It was funny. That kind of gives that idea of speed that in the time it. that it took you to read that, 
That's how, how fast Monel was punching. So, but you know, you know, I don't have to like it. It's not necessarily for me, but I feel like this book works as often as it doesn't, which means it doesn't work as often as it does. And I'm still bothered about the fact that the Japanese character has been redesigned as Chinese with a Q. So, you know, it's a thing. Maybe there's a time travel plot somewhere in there. You you disallowed time travel. No, no. I'm saying in this story. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I, I think, listeners, you can tell that we're very passionate. And if uh, Brian Michael Bendis is listening to this and he would like to reach out to us, uh, we, would us. Love to, we would love to get your insight onto this. Um, if you are like, who are these two jer- knucklehead jerks? I'm never going to uh, listen to anything they do again. That's fine, too. Um, these yeah. are our opinions. But hopefully, uh, Brian Michael Bendis and our dear listeners and the people listening live in the uh, in the Discord server uh, can hear that we are very passionate about the Legion of Superheroes. I wouldn't say that we're, you know, we're create a dedicated uh, uh, Twitter account and then go uh, uh, correct everyone every time they say the Legion of Superheroes. <laughs> but... But I think you can see we we want to see Legion of Superheroes. We just need something that's not this. And I wouldn't even say not this, but I would like to see if I mean, it's going to be see this. this. I, if it's going to be this, I'd like to see it a more focused, a more centered, a more together this, you know, yeah. I, and that's, you know, that's pretty much the bottom line. If over, Brian Bendis is listening, we're not crapping all over your work, dude. No. We love you. We love this book. We want to love it more. No, I, and I, I, kind of and I think, uh, if anything, you know, I've, I've said for years, I love Ultimate Spider-Man. That's the mm-hmm. only way that I got into the Marvel Universe is because of Brian Michael Bendis and his uh, Ultimate Spider-Man stuff. I really enjoyed that. Uh, he wrote Powers. I love Powers. Um you know, so he does a lot of really good stuff. And I don't think the writing is bad. I just think that there needs to be it's all over the place. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So and the art is fine. The art is fine. Don't get me wrong. The art is the fine. Art, the art. I enjoy the art up to a point. I do want to know one thing, and this is important. Did you notice that Phantom Girl is throwing around a hula hoop? No, I wasn't paying attention. to And that. her hula hoop allows her apparently to travel between dimensions. And I want to know what the what? Tell yeah. me what's going on there. And she's purple. Yeah. That's fine. Pretty much you know. overall, we landed at Legion of Superheroes. Thanks to all of uh, the great listeners out there who yes. went and voted over on our Patreon page at patreon.com slash major spoilers. We want to continue vicious, to do vicious meanies. No, I think they knew our love of Legion of Superheroes and they wanted us to to continue that already in early voting for next week's episode. It looks mm. like future state Aquaman has a pretty substantial lead. But that could change very easily by you, the listener, heading Is over to Future Patreon. State Legion out next week? Uh, don't think so. I don't know. Um, <laughs> everyone was pretty much voting Future State Aquaman and um, was the other one that popped up? Uh, Future State Imperious Rex. Um, the Lex Luthor one. Imperious uh, Lex. Imperious Lex, yeah. Uh, so, you know, get over there, people. Get over there and cast your vote. Let us know what you are most interested in in us reviewing uh, next week. Uh, speaking of next week, Matthew, we'll find out if a Legion of, of uh, Superheroes comes out next week because it shows next week Batman, White Knight, uh, Harley Quinn number four comes out, Challenge of the Super Sons number seven, which is a digital first issue. We have the Future State Aquaman, as we've already mentioned, Future State Batman and Superman number one, Future State uh, Dark Detective number two. Uh, oh no, yeah, next week is Future State Legion of Superheroes number one, is scheduled to come out next week. 
Oh, oh, maybe you guys want to change Legion, your mind. Two legions in a row. Two you guys row. just heard us talk Legion here. You could hear us uh, do Legion again next week if you get over there and uh, cast your vote. Also coming out next week, we have Sensational Wonder Woman number four. That's a digital first issue. And mm-hmm. Titans Burning Rage trade paperback uh, gets uh, gets collected. Over at Boom Studios next week, we have Dune House of Trades number four of 12. Uh, Firefly number 25. We only find them when they're dead number five. Uh, Colonel Weird Cosmogog number four, the final issue of that drops at Dark Horse Comics, as does Witcher Fading Memories number three, the penultimate issue there. Over at Dynamite Entertainment next week, it's Betty Page number five, Dynamite number four, Red Sonia 23, Red Sonia uh, She-Devil Deluxe Premium Card Pack. You can get those if you're into it. Also, Red Sonia The Superpowers, which uh, gets uh, some collected edition uh, covers, you know, the fancy covers that cost $300 if you want to go Dance. go that that high. $300 for a comic book with a variant art virgin cover. Mm. Not for a new one. Uh, Sacred Six number six and Vampirilla number 16 from Dynamite next week. IDW Publishing has uh, My Little Pony Friendship is Magic number 94 and Star Wars Adventures Smuggler's Run number two of two. Image Comics next week, Department of Truth number five, Spawn 314. Marvel Comics has Amazing Spider-Man number 58, Daredevil number 26, Fantastic 428, uh, Star Wars, High Republic number one gets a second printing, and Wolverine number nine finally drops. Oh. In all the rest category, we have, what do we have? Black of Heart number three, Bun Bun and Bon Bon, hardcover graphic no- novel number two, Hoppy Go Lucky is the title of that one for twenty two ninety nine. <laughs> we also have a Geeky Fab 5 graphic novel box set volume one through three. Uh, what else do we have here? Loot number one, The Loud House, three-in-one graphic novel, volume three, Magical History Tour, uh, Mirka and Dolfo's Uns- Unsacred, yeah, Unsacred, volume two, number three, Ninjas and Robots, number three, Stargazer, number five of six, and Twittering Birds Never Fly, graphic novel, volumes one, two, three, and four, all arrive next week. You can go check out that list over at patreon.com slash spoilers. Get over there and vote. That's the only way the show is going to continue is through uh, interactions from you. We're creating this show from you for, I'm sorry, we're creating this show for you. And uh, we want your input on how this show goes. Otherwise, we'll just uh, review whatever we want and you probably won't like it as much. Uh, so <laughs> head over to patreon.com slash spoilers, cast your vote, and then we will be back next week to read the comic that you chose for us and you will also get to hear Matthew say, Boom, 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 roll, you bastard! This podcast is copyright 2021 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC. I was thinking today... Um, if the Rainbow Lanterns went to the Marvel Universe, uh-huh. who would get the rings? And so far, I've got Tony Stark as Orange, the Orange Lantern, because he covets, you know, all this technology and women and everything. Yeah. I've got the Hulk as Red Lantern. Rage, yeah, that makes sense. I I think I have... I think I have Black Widow as the Yellow Lantern. Fear? Yeah. 
I can see that. Black but I'm Widow, stuck uh, on I'm stuck on on Steve Rogers because I don't know if he would be green or if he would be blue. I want to lean towards blue on him. I would say blue because I think green in the Marvel universe is Ben Grimm, uh, the creature uh, of sheer yeah. will. I can I can see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. that would answer those last ones. But that's kind of how I saw the main. I oh, I for, and purple, uh, pink. Um, who, who exhibits the most love? Probably Vision, or or uh, I think Vision would be interesting as a Pink Lantern. Mm-hmm. Wanda would be interesting. Or Wanda would be be the same way. Your Indigo Compassionate Lantern. I think you're going to have to go with Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange would be a good one there. Or uh, if you needed somebody who exhibits love and would look absolutely hilarious in a Pink Lantern uniform, Wolverine. Yeah, because I don't think Wolverine he... is all about unrequited love for his 15 dead wives. Yeah, I guess I'm more into the uh, let's think about this from the from the Marvel characters that we've seen in the Marvel movies that are actually oh, Marvel movies. Yeah. But no, but it doesn't have to be that. I mean, we can just look at Avengers. I just I never thought of, I never really think of X-Men that way yeah. because they've always been treated as separate. Whether yeah. they whether they intend to or not, they always kind of are treated as separate from everything else that Marvel does. It's kind of a since the nineties thing, but I get it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I would say another good choice for your orange lantern, your covetous lantern, your, I want everything. Victor von doom. Uh, yeah. I can see him. Uh, has doom that as be great well. because doom is like, I want technology and I want mm-hmm. magic and I want my mother you back. Can, and I, I mean, run you could almost, you could almost put any, any villain in that. I mean, even, I mean, yeah, I mean, you could put anyone. I, think, I just looked at it from Tony Stark because he's like, I'm the collector of things and I have to have all these things, bright and shiny things, mine, 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 mine. And Magneto would have a, I think, a Green Lantern ring. Magneto is sheer will. Well, no, I think because actually, Magneto is a 95 year old man. I would I would put Magneto as yellow. No, I don't feel I think like he Magneto's has, about fear. I think he has the power to instill great fear on those who want to cross mutants. Now, I mean, Juggernaut, I think, would be a yellow lantern. I would put Juggernaut as a red. Juggernaut is not really about rage. I mean, he's destructive. Uh, Okay, so let's look at uh, Luke Cage. Blue. (sighs) Iron Fist. No, I think I would actually put Luke Cage as a pink lantern. Mm, I could see that. He's got the neckline for it. Iron Fist. Uh, Will, that's a green. That's a green. He's a definitely a green lantern. I think yep. Dare, De- Daredevil would definitely... Well, Daredevil could be a green lantern, too. Honestly, hmm. I might put Daredevil under red, because Daredevil has that anger underlying the things that he does, and sometimes you'll have that Daredevil flips out and nearly beats someone to death with a billy club thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Daredevil could also be a purple. He'd yeah. be an interesting love lantern. Yeah. That's a tough one. Uh, Deadpool is a black lantern for damn sure. Oh yeah, he's, definitely. He's, he's already been dead. dead a thousand times. Yeah. He's definitely black lantern. Yeah. I, st- I, I stayed away from black lantern, white lantern and just stuck with the, the rainbow yeah, lanterns. Uh, so here's another question for, since we haven't done poll of the week forever. Uh, oh, wait, 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 so wait. who is the better artist? Is it Steve Rogers or is it Kyle Rayner? Steve Rogers. You think? Because Kyle Rayner was actually, Kyle Rayner was actually doing, he had a comic book gig, didn't he? And Steve Rogers was only doing graphic design work. Steve Rogers drew Captain America. Oh, okay. uh, In the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Drew his own adventures. Sure. 
Um, Steve Rogers draws like a 70s kind of Neil Adams, John Byrne guy, whereas Kyle Rayner draws more like a, a Michael Turner, Todd McFarlane dude. So for me, I think it's a question of what you like better, and I will always like that, you know, that Bronze Age burn stuff, if you ask me. Omega, Omega Lazarus says Rayner is the better artist. What, what well, else? Omega Lazarus is allowed of, to have opinions. All of you in there, what, are, what is your vote? Who is Rayner's the better the artist? Best. Steve Rogers or, or Kyle Rayner? Uh, you know who's a really good artist? Kilowog. Maybe. True facts. So today I've been working on a, a project, a secret, secret project for uh, this later this spring. And so I'm trying to find pictures of uh, Justice League members. And I, I came to a realization that if the new 52 is a separate iteration of Superman and Batman, then the post-crisis has to be treated as a separate iteration. There are tons of artists, well, yes. superheroes. Yeah, 52 is a separate iteration from right. post-crisis, just like pre-crisis. So the, the Justice League starts in 61. So you've got your Bronze Age, you know, you're, basically I look at it as your Bronze Age Kurt Swan Superman, and then your post-crisis John Byrne Superman, which sort of transitions into something else. And then your, uh, you know, was it, I Grant think it Morrison. was Perez, wasn't it? I don't know. The I, Morrison I, Perez. It wasn't that Rags Morales, I thought. It might have been. Well, there were two Superman books. There was action and then there was Superman. I think Perez was doing Superman and Rags was doing action. But mm, Okay. Artist superheroes. Yes, there are. Um, right off the top of my head, I can't think of any, but I'm sure they're out there. Well, that's why uh, that's immediately came to mind to me was Steve Rogers and Kyle Rayner. That's yeah. why I said. John Stewart is an architect. And right. Can draw. Well, Depending on which version. Oh no, I'm thinking of John Henry Irons. He's a he's a he's an weapons engineer, manufacturer yeah. and engin engineer. Yeah. yeah. I mean, those are art. That's 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 classical art. Okay, yeah, uh, that's that's the end of this extra bonus content. You guys already got more than an yeah. hour out of us this week. Go vote. Go vote. Go vote.